Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. As we continue in our Christmas series titled, Tis the Season, think about what the holiday season means to you. Is it about money, gifts, family, or is it truly about the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior? Our prayer is that you understand what Christmas is all about by listening to today's message. Good morning. How's everybody? Good, 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 good. Uh, anybody excited about football right now? Like yesterday? Awesome. Man, that was good stuff. But um, as excited as I was that Georgia Southern pulled the game out, man, I'm even more excited about what I believe God's going to do in our hearts this morning. And, uh, man, I'm praying that God will do amazing things as every week, that people will come to know him and that those of us who know him will uh, get a clearer view of who he is and that through that we'll pursue him more, more and more and harder than we've ever pursued him before. Um, and that everything else would be, truly begin to fade away, even in this Christmas season when it's so busy and we are in such a hustle and bustle time that we would be able to simply focus on him and rest in him and realize that he, oh man, has poured out such amazing love on us that we, everything else would truly fade away. So that's my prayer. We're going to be in the book of Romans today. Romans chapter 7 is where we're going to start. We're going to continue the Tis the Season um, series. This will actually go all the way through Christmas Eve. And one of the things that we want to invite you to do is invite people to church. It's something that we really believe in. You, you know people who don't know the Lord. Get them to church. And one of those days we really look at this and we really see an opportunity to see people come to know Christ is on Christmas Eve. Can we admit you can get people to church on Christmas Eve when you can't get them there any other time except maybe Easter, right? So let's not waste that opportunity, okay? Listen, we're about four years old now. That means people are starting to see us a little bit more as a legitimate church, right? Used to on Christmas Eve, everybody went to their church. Um, even though they've been to our church for the last 52 weeks, they went to their church. It's a little different now. A lot of you guys will be here and we want to get you to invite people to come because I can promise you this, Christmas Eve is going to be a celebration. And we're going to talk about people going from death to life because God is with us. And we celebrate that at Christmas, that he came to us. And so get them here. Um, and we're going to wrap up this series. I'm excited about that. I can't wait to see what God does. Um, but you get to be a part of that um, by bringing people, man. How cool is it for those of you who invited folks to church, when you're sitting next to them at the end of the service, the invitation is given, and they stand up to receive Christ. Those of you who've been a part of that, you know, you brought people that did not know the Lord and when the time came for them to stand up, you're like, are they going to stand up? Are they going to stand up? Are they going to stand up? And then they stood up and you're like, I can't believe it. it. God actually did it. And it's an awesome thing. So invite somebody to come and hear the gospel. I promise you, we're going to preach the gospel that night and talk about God being with us. So Romans chapter 7 today um, is going to be our main text, actually pretty much our only text today. Let's pray and then we're going to jump in and let's believe that God's going to do incredible things. God, thank you so much for this opportunity today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for loving us, God. God, I do pray that we'll invite people to church on Christmas Eve. God, that we'll um, be able to, to do whatever it takes, God, investing in people's lives to bring them to hear the gospel, to bring them to an opportunity, Lord, to know you, God. That as we share the gospel from Monday to Saturday, God, we know we have a place we can bring them on Sunday, that they'll hear it again. And that through our teamwork, as we preach one message, God, from Monday to Sunday, God, we know you'll move in that. And we know that your spirit, God, will empower that. 
God, today I pray that our hearts, God, hearts that are far from you would draw close, hearts that have been separated, God, from the past things that have been done and those things that have been, um, God, separating us through condemnation and guilt today, God, that that would be severed and that we would begin to walk in the life that you have for us. God, we love you and we thank you for who you are and what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you know what this is? Some of you probably way in the back, you can't see it very well. How many of you know what this is? Yes, sir. That would be a measuring device. Man, this dude has a high IQ, I'm telling you, a measuring device. Yes, it would be a measuring device, Bo. Thank you very much. Um, It's actually called a mason's rule or a brick mason's rule, and it's used to measure bricks. But I remember when I was a child, I loved these things. Because you can make anything you wanted to out of them, right? I mean, you could design things. You can make things. I mean, that becomes a fishing pole. It can be anything you want it to be. And your imagination can run wild. My middle son, Jackson, he loves to get a hold of these things. Because other than breaking them, the other thing he likes to do is he likes to just make shapes and make things. And he's like, Daddy, look at this. You know, this is a such and such. And then as a parent, you lie and go, yeah, I see. That's awesome. That's really good. And you don't want to kill the creative eye, right? But, but this is actually... A measuring device. And this is what I know about most of the people in here today. We live our lives with a measuring device. And we love, especially during this season, but all throughout the year, we love to see if we measure up, right? And so we have a measuring device also, except it's not a brick mason's rule. We have a a, a measuring device that is usually one of two things. The first one is this. The first thing we measure ourselves by are other people, don't we? There's not a person in here that you've never measured how good you are or how bad you are by looking at someone else. Girls, right? Come on. Y'all know this is is just real. Guys, you're the same way. Guys will never admit it. Girls, you just can't hide it, right? Because you go to your best friends and you're like, I can't believe she wore that. And the only reason you don't like it is because she looked good in it. Hush, you're just jealous. You know what I'm saying? And, and guys, we do the same thing. Well, I don't believe he's doing anything. Well, look at that. Why is he driving that? It's because you're walking. <laughs> and we always measure ourselves against other people. It's the most common thing that I think we do in everything we do. I'm guilty of this myself. It's hard for me to be in a situation. I, I, I did a, a thing for a, a ministry we support. Um, called Choices of the Heart a few weeks back, and it's an awesome ministry that helps mothers with unexpected pregnancies or women who's been through abortions. Just a little plug there. Where you at, Tammy? Yep, there you go. Um, And so we we do this. We help them because it's a huge thing. But I did this, uh, basically asked people for money for them at an event a while back. And, And the thing that I was so intimidated by was because there were a bunch of pastors there, Right? I mean, it's intimidating standing up in front of you. But when I knew there were like five, six, seven, eight other pastors there, I'm like, what if I say something that's theologically incorrect? <laughs> what if I'm not as good as they are? What if they're sitting there the whole time going, well, I wouldn't have said that. I would have said it this way. And so it's just intimidating. I mean, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I mean, why, do I measure up? Right? Do I do enough? Do I measure up? Am I good enough? And we all measure ourselves against other people. The problem with measuring ourselves against other people is this. One of two things happen, and you're going to see that neither one of these two things are good. The first thing that happens is we become very insecure, right? Because we measure ourselves against people who are better than us. 
That does not feel good, does it? Like if you're an athlete and you measure yourself against another guy who's better than you and you're like, well, he ain't that good. Yeah, he is. Like he runs circles around you. And it does not feel good. Girls, one of your biggest issues is you, you, you measure yourselves against the Victoria's Secret models. They were on TV last week, right? I, I didn't know they were on TV. I just saw that on Twitter. That I was not watching that. But the reality, like you measure yourselves against that. Hello, can, we don't measure up to that, right? And it does not feel good and it makes us insecure so that women, the most common thing you ask your husband is, does the, do these pants make my butt look fat? Right? Because we measure ourselves against other people and we see that we come up short and it causes insecurity. Here's the other thing that can happen and this is actually an outcome of insecurity. We compare ourselves against other people and we see we don't measure up. So what do we do next? We look for people worse than we are, man. And there's always that guy, right? You can look at him and be like, at least I ain't him. At least I, at least I don't drive that. At least, you're, and we do this all the time. And what that ends up causing is us to fall into pride. So we try to cover up our insecurity with pride because we simply don't measure up. And we all live in this system so many times where we look at it and we go, well, I'm not as good as they are, but I'm better than they are. And here's the thing that happens. Neither one of those two options produces life. When we begin to compare ourselves to other people, there's nothing good that can come out of it. Some of us spend all our time comparing our achievements to other people. If you don't believe me, stand around with a bunch of guys who played high school sports. My high school baseball coach is in my connect group. If we're not careful, all we talk about are the good old days. Right? You remember when? You remember when? You remember when? So-and-so did so-and-so. You remember when? And we compare our achievements. Some of you guys, some of you ladies, you compare your careers to other people. And, and those you come up short against, you turn around and you find somebody you compare yourself that you do a little better with. A lot of us parents compare our children's achievements. Do we not? You talk about a pressure that is unfair to ask a child to carry. Is whether or not they're measuring up to someone else's children. And you know this is the case because you can say something with a good heart. You can be like, oh, man, I was so proud of Dake, man. He played such a good game the other day. He actually hit a home run. and Man, it was awesome. And then the person goes, well, you know, little Johnny hit two home runs the other day. It was really cool. I don't care what little Johnny did. We're talking about my son. <laughs> right? And so we do this. We compare. We compare achievements. One of the biggest ways we measure ourselves and one of the biggest hindrances to us in living the life that God's called us to live is we measure our past, don't we? We measure our past. And we begin to measure it against other people. Well, certainly they've never done that before. Certainly they've never been in that situation. Certainly their eyes have never looked on that. Certainly their hands have never touched that. Certainly they've never put that in their body. Certainly they've never walked out. Certainly... I'm way worse than they are. And then we can find somebody that's been, in our eyes, a little worse than we are. But we love to compare ourselves. And it becomes a weight and a hindrance that we can't carry. And so we measure ourselves with our achievements. We measure ourselves sometimes with our children's achievements. Sometimes, and many times and oftentimes, we measure ourselves 
by our past. In Romans chapter 7, we see that Paul talks about a fourth way of measuring ourselves. I want to read this to you. We're going to begin there in verse 14. And Paul tells us, he's like, listen, this is, this is basically the only measuring stick that matters. This is basically the only thing. If you're going to measure yourself, measure yourself against this because measuring yourself against other people does no good. And he says, this is where we all come to measure ourselves. And he begins to lay out this measuring stick that's God's law. That's basically God's commands, his standards. If you really want to see God's law lived out perfectly, you look to the person of Christ because he's the only person that's ever lived them out perfectly. But we come to this section of scripture and God gives us the only thing that we can truly measure ourselves by that that really matters. He says in verse 14, we know that the law, God's commands, is, is, is spiritual. But he says, I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate to do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin that is living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do not do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. And listen to this. What a wretched man I am. What a wretched man I am. Basically, Paul's measuring himself against the standard of God's law, against God's command. And this is his conclusion. I don't measure up. He said, I took this measuring stick that God has given us, the commands that God's given us, the life God's called me to live. I put myself next to it and I don't measure up. I come up short. And he says, in fact, I'd really like to measure up to this law. I'd really like to measure up to God's measuring device. But here's the problem. I don't. And he even says in Verse 15, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate to do. And this is the thing I can tell you. Most of you are living in that right now. The Spirit of God lives in you. You realize that there's things you're doing that aren't right. And yet you seem to not be able to find the power to overcome it. And when you measure yourself against God's law and against His command and against the life of Christ, you realize, I come up short. All day long, I come up short. You can hear this in Paul's voice. If you can put yourself in his shoes and somewhat, you can hear almost this desperation, this cry. I don't understand what I do. And he says, what a wretched man I am. I I don't know what to do about this because I don't measure up. I come up short when I see God's law. And yet this is the only measuring stick that really matters for us to look at. And see, here's the thing. I want you to get this today. 
when you measure yourself against God's law, there's really only two options. Condemnation or exaltation. Just like when you measure yourself against somebody else, you'll fall into insecurity, you'll fall into pride. When you measure yourself against God's law, you will find yourself in condemnation and, or either exaltation. And I want to explain what I mean by that. Listen, if you go into condemnation, which many of you live and many of you may not even realize you live there, man, it makes your life miserable. Absolutely miserable. And so many of us are walking in this and you can hear this in the voice of Paul as he begins to speak about this struggle with sin and this indwelling problem and this feeling of not measuring up and he just exclaims, what a wretched man I am. Who is going to rescue me from this body of death? When you begin to measure yourself against the law of Christ, the command of Christ, the standard of Christ... This is what I can tell you for every person in here today. You do not measure up. Period. You don't. And here's what most of us do. When we see how far short we fall, we go to a place of condemnation. Where we, like Paul, think, what am I going to do? I don't measure up. What am I going to do? How am I going to live this life? I know the life I'm called to live. Why is it so hard? Why am I struggling so much? You can hear it in Paul's voice and most of you know it echoes in your head. It's as if we can hear Paul in his own frustration of what do I do? And honestly, this is where most of us are living. I wrote some things down in my journal this week, and, and I know that this is where most of you are living because I'm about to tell you the voices that most of you are listening to. Most of them start with the same phrase that says, If you were better. If you were better. You ever heard that in your head? If you were better. Most of them begin with that phrase. Listen to this If you were a better father, your kids wouldn't act like that. Right? If you were a better father, they wouldn't have made that decision. If you were a better example, your kids wouldn't have done that. If you were a better mother, your kids would respect you. They wouldn't talk to you that way. If you were a better mother, clothes would be washed, the ironing would be done, and the dishes would never pile up in the sink. Right? Women, you ever felt like that? Hello? I'm just making sure I'm talking to somebody. Maybe I dream these. Listen, if you were a better wife, he wouldn't have left. If you were a better wife, he wouldn't look at porn. If you were a better wife, he wouldn't have had an affair. If you were a better son or daughter, your parents wouldn't fight. If you were a better son or daughter, divorce wouldn't have happened. And for some of you, listen, the echoes of your parents' screams echo in your head that you're not good enough and you never will be. And that's the reality you live in every day. Some of us hear this, if you were a better person, they'd love you. 
they would, they would want you. Another voice we hear, if I were a better Christian, I'd have more faith. Right? If I were a better Christian, I'd have more faith. If I were a better Christian, I wouldn't struggle with porn. If I were a better Christian, I wouldn't struggle with depression. Some of you just hear this voice, you're a slut. You're damaged goods. Why aren't you better? Why aren't you better? For many of us, the reality that we hear is if you were thinner, he'd want you. If you were thinner, he wouldn't have left. If you were thinner, if you, if you could look more like her, you'd be better off and life would be a lot better. Some of you are living off of your athletic performance trying to please your parents. Some of you are living off of athletic performance trying to gain status. Some of you are living off of your academic performance and you're trying to make that speak highly of you. And you're trying with everything that you can to convince other people that you're good enough. And the voice in your head constantly tells you you're not. For some of us, this is just the one thing that we hear. If you were better, you wouldn't be rejected. And for a lot of us, we hear what you did is unforgivable. And you'll never be better. I know this because this is what walks in my office week after week. And many of us struggle with these voices day after day telling us we're not good enough and we never will be. I don't know about you here, but here's, here's where I'm at. I want another option, right? Voices of condemnation. They make you miserable. I know, I live there. I fight on myself, I hear them. And if you could preach a little better, more people would know Christ. If, if you could be there for people more, all seven or 800 of them, if you could be there for them more, they'd grow closer to Christ. If, if you could be there for them more, they wouldn't leave and go somewhere else. You're no good. You're boring. I literally wrote this in my journal the other day, and you're going to think I am a sick and twisted man, and you would not be far from it. But I wrote in my journal, so many times, I feel like the message I preach are a waste of breath. And I struggle with that. I struggle with the reality when my kids do something they shouldn't have, what am I doing wrong? It's a struggle that we all tend to find ourselves in. And this pull of condemnation is strong. But there is a better way. There's another way. And I want you to hear how amazing this is. In Romans chapter 7, we read the first part of 24. After Paul expresses this frustration, and he gets to verse 24 and he says... What a wretched man I am. I don't measure up. I fall short. He says, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Basically, he's saying, who's going to rescue me? And he says, thank Jesus for rescuing me from this body of death. 
thank God that he's rescued me. And he goes on and he says, therefore, and listen, whenever you read, therefore, see what he's talking about right before it. He's talking about condemnation. He's talking about not measuring up. And he goes, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death for what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the sinful nature. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. What I want you to see and what I want you to grab hold of is that there is a second option. There's a second option when we compare ourselves to Christ. Number one is condemnation and it is not fun and it hurts and it hinders us from living the life that God has given us. But there's a second option and it's called exaltation. And this is what happens in Paul's life as he's going through this downward, what seems to be a downward spiral. He gets to the end and he says, who's going to save me from this Wretched man, myself, who's going to save me from this? And he says, thanks be to God in Jesus Christ. And he begins to explode in praise. And this is really a climax in the scripture where he says, thanks be to God who paid my debt and set me free from sin and condemnation. And that's what Paul is saying. And this should be the life of a Christian. That when we look at ourselves and we see that we fall short, We don't go to condemnation, but we go to the fact that Jesus paid our debt. That he set us free from sin. How did he do it? The Bible says in verse 3 that we were powerless to do it. Because the law was weakened by our sinful nature. So God did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. Basically, Jesus came, lived a life we could not live, took a sin, our sin upon us. And listen to how amazing this plan is. God loved us so much that he didn't want to condemn us, but he had to condemn sin. So what did he do? He took the sin off of us, put it on himself and died for us. That's incredible. That is so amazing. That God has given us this second option that when we fall short, We get back up, not because we're good, but because he's good. Not because we measure up, but because he measured up. We'll never measure up. And yet Jesus comes and he pays this price and he takes our sin and sin is punished on the cross. And God's judgment falls on it so that it doesn't have to fall on us. And it is from that place that we live our life. Condemnation never healed a heart and condemnation never caused anybody to truly live for Christ. Jesus set us free, that we could follow him, that we could pursue him, that we could live for him. We've got to realize that as Christians, our goal is Jesus. And we overcome sin by the pursuit of the one who gave it all for us. And our second option, when we measure ourselves against God's law and we see we fall short, is that we go back to Christ. And we begin to live in exaltation of who he is. And this is the thing I can tell you. When we can get out of this place of allowing condemnation to be a weight that hinders us from pursuing Christ, because for many of you it is, we can't get out of our past so that we can have a redeemed future. And we begin to pursue Jesus, our lives change. The Spirit of God begins to work through us and we begin to pursue Him. Here's the problem in the church. 
We've talked more about, pers- about avoiding sin than we have pursuing Jesus. And it's not that sin doesn't matter. God hates sin. He hates it. But the reality of it is we don't move beyond it by focusing on sin. We move beyond it by pursuing Christ. And that is such a better journey. Such a more freeing experience with God. When we see how good he is and we see how amazing he is that we begin to pursue him because he set us free from sin. He's made a way for us to overcome, not by our own works and by our own efforts, by simply pursuing Jesus. And that is the good news. The law, listen, the law was about measuring us. It was about measuring us. The spirit is about setting us free. This is what I can tell you because I know a lot of you and I've seen a lot of your Christian walks. The times that you are the most free and the times that you are living most like Christ are the times that you are simply pursuing Jesus and your eyes are firmly fixed on him and you're running hard and fast after him. I know in my own life when I struggle, when I don't have joy, when when I'm not seeing the fruit of the spirit lived out in my life, the problem is not Jesus. The problem is not that I'm not pursuing him. That's the problem. So many times we feel like overcoming sin is our goal. When our goal is Jesus, sin is a symptom of not abiding in Christ. God made it really, really simple. Set your eyes on Jesus. And here's where we have to live, church. We have to live in a place that we trust the Spirit of God to work this out in people's lives. Because our tendency is... The soon as they get saved, this is the church motto. Basically, come as you are, but don't, don't do that anymore. Come as you are. Everybody's welcome. Okay, now you're a Christian. Let's make your life miserable. Right? Because we don't trust the Spirit of God to work in people's lives as they pursue Jesus. I've had people come to me in the church and say, well, you know what? You know, so-and-so... I just don't know about some of his behavior. I'm just not real sure about this guy. They're like, I just don't think, you know, if he calls himself a Christian and he's going to be a Christian, you need to go talk to him about this. And my reply has been this. Did you know that a year ago he was smoking crack? I think he's doing pretty good. Now, why don't you deal with your bigotry and your hypocrisy For acting like your feet don't stink. Right? And church, we've got to have the attitude that anybody's welcome and it's okay to not be okay. But we know this, you're not going to stay that way. Not because of rules and laws and things that we place upon them, but because of the work of Jesus in them. How dare us think that it's only by the spirit of God that they could come to salvation, but then it's our job to clean them up. I think I will. (laughs) And so many of us are living this life where, man, come on. You're comparing yourself to expectations you're never going to match. And it's not an excuse to not match them. Listen, just because God says, I'm going to take away your condemnation, doesn't mean you go home and sleep with your boyfriend. Right? 
Why? Because Christ is in you. It doesn't mean you go home and say, well, Brandon, he told me, man, there's no condemnation in Christ. I can do what I want to. Click, 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 click. Oh. No, because here's the thing. You can't worship Jesus and look at pornography. Sing Amazing Grace and do that. And send me an email. If you can do that, send me an email. But you're not going to like my reply because I'm going to tell you the Spirit of God is not in you. Because you can't. Because there's something in your heart that says there's something bigger worth living for. And we can't do it on our own. I want you to understand you cannot live this life of grace on your own because you will wander back into works-based living just as fast as I can snap my fingers. You need people, you need sisters, you need brothers, you need people who will hold your feet to the fire and say, how's your relationship with Jesus? Well, I've been to church every Sunday this month. I don't care. Churches are full of people that are going to bust the gates of hell wide open. How is your relationship with Christ? Do you know him? What did he speak to you today? You know God still speaks to people when we'll give him time? Do you know that he is a living God? He's not some inanimate object that is just mute and is distant from our lives. He is a living God who desires to speak to our hearts, that desires to guide our lives, who desires for us to walk in the freedom that he died to give us. That is what Jesus has done for us. It's like this. Jesus gave us a righteousness. We aren't ready for me. Like, it's not us. He just said, here, by faith, you took hold of me. And by taking hold of me, you've taken hold of my righteousness. I'm just giving it to you. It's free. I was thinking about that this week. And I was like, how can I help people understand this? I got all kind of gadgets and gizmos today. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will use them so that you will come to know who he is. That you will come to a place where you realize, I can't do this, but God does this in me. When I simply pursue him, to heck with everything else. I'm going after Jesus because the reality of these scriptures and the reason that 8-1 can exist, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The reason 8-1 exists is because 8-3 is true. That God did away with sin by sending his son. And he punished sin in Christ. I was thinking about it this week. And, and, and one of the ways I was thinking about it is like this. This is something you'll probably never see me in. It's called a suit. And, and I thought about it. I was like, you know, I, I, this is no, I had to dust off. Not dandruff, dust. From being in the closet this morning when I grabbed it. And I was thinking about this suit. And then I thought about Reed, who's my two-year-old. And I went and I got a pair of his jeans. Oh, I knew y'all were going to do that. Y'all are suckers, man. I knew y'all were going to do that. Oh, why didn't y'all do that when I held up my suit? Y'all were like, dang, that's a big suit. That boy's kind of fat. Let's try that again. Here's my suit. Thank you. Here's Reed's 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 jeans. And I was thinking about this. And I was like, you know what? If I put Reed in this suit, yeah, it'd be funny. He'd trip, he'd fall. This isn't who he is. This is not who Reed is. This is Reed. Can I go ahead and give him this suit? Yeah. I can give him this suit. 
I could hang it on the door in his room and say, hey, Reed, this is the thing I want you to realize. This is your suit. I'm giving it to you freely because you're my son. And I'm going to hang this on the door. And there's going to be a day when you fit in this suit. Because I guarantee you this, the way the boy eats and drinks milk, he will be in this suit. And I could hang it there. And I could say, Reed, here's the deal, buddy. One day, that's your suit. But here's the reality. Right now, that's Reed. I ain't getting in them things. Right now, that's Reed. This is who he is. But I could go ahead as a loving father who loves him so much, I could say, Reed, this is your suit. Now, will it be a little outdated? Yes. Will he grow into it? Yep. And what I want you to see today is what Jesus did for us is he gave us a suit of righteousness. He clothed us with his perfection, even though this isn't us. Right? And then we look more like this. But what God did is he said, listen, I'm a loving father who loves you and I'm going to give you something that doesn't become outdated and you're going to wear this for eternity. I'm going to clothe you in righteousness. I'm going to put my suit on you. And it's perfect. Even though right now, you've got to grow into it. Even though right now, you don't measure up to it. I'm going to clothe you with my perfection. And then this is what he does. As we abide in him, as we love him, as we walk with him, as we break out of rules and, and law and all of this stuff that this hinders, us down, hinders us and weights us down, we begin to pursue him. And just like a child who begins to grow and he begins to eat, we begin to crave pure spiritual milk. And by it, we begin to grow up. And pretty soon, the spirit of God's working in us. And we're fanning into flame the spirit of God that has been in us by accepting Christ. And, and we're pouring in the word and we're pouring in prayer. And pretty soon, we start growing into the suit that God has given us. But it doesn't happen because one day we just decided we're going to grow up. Like Reed can lay in his bed and he can go, I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to grow. He's not going to grow. How does he grow? He eats. He sleeps. How do we grow? We eat. We live off the bread of God. We pursue him. We rest in Him. We trust Him. He becomes the object of our devotion. And God grows us up. But why we don't grow in Him is by staying weighted down with condemnation. And my heart for you today is that you would walk free from condemnation so that you can be free to pursue Jesus. That you would be set free. And I want you to hear this so clearly. The voice of God, all of these voices of condemnation we talked about early on. If you're in Christ, that is not the voice of God. If you've taken hold of Jesus by faith and said, I need a savior and it is Jesus Christ. And I'm grabbing hold of him by faith and I'm accepting his offer of, of salvation and forgiveness. Those voices aren't from God. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you're not in Christ, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, the harsh news, but the truth, you're in condemnation. Your sin is still there. But there's a very easy alternative. And it's Christ. 
It's accepting the sacrifice that he made. It's accepting the suit that he tries to give us so often. And one of the hardest things as a preacher is to stand up here week after week and to know that there are people here who don't know him, who never truly grab hold of him and and that just won't make that decision. Yesterday, I was with my son Dake and we were talking with a guy who who um, has been sick and he's had some, some struggle with his lungs, but he smokes and he said, you know, I, I've, I've damaged my lungs a lot by smoking over the years. And we walked away from that. We, we actually drove away. We were in the truck talking to him. We drove away and Dake looks at me, my 10-year-old, I almost said 9-year-old, he turned 10 this week. My 10-year-old and he says, Daddy, why do people do things like that when they know it's just going to hurt them? And I said, buddy, welcome to my world. Why do people continue to choose death-giving ways when over here are life-giving ways? Why do we continue to go after things that that we know in the end are not going to produce what we thought they promised to produce? And in the end, we know that Jesus is the giver of life, but we refuse to turn to him and just follow him. The freedom of all that junk being gone, being washed away. I want you to hear this morning the voice of God for those of you who are in Christ saying, not that you can't. And listen, not even that you can. Not that you can't do it. Not that you can do it. But that it's already been done. That it has already been done done when Jesus was dying and bringing his last breath on the cross and he said it is finished he meant it is finished our sins have been separated all we've got to do they have no hold on us all we've got to do is turn this way and go after Christ all we have to do is understand that by faith I put on righteousness and that God's going to work this out in me all I've got to do is pursue him just continually pursue him make him the devotion of my life make him the place that my mind sits make it the place that My feet follow. And that's all we really have to do. We need to understand that Jesus has freed us from the measuring stick. As Christians, we have conviction. Yes, conviction of sin. Yes, because the Spirit of God lives in us. But we don't walk in condemnation. We understand that condemnation attacks the person. Conviction attacks the sin. When we experience the conviction of our sin, the thing to do is to turn from our sin and turn to Christ. And that, in a very simple explanation, is repentance. We quit pursuing this and we begin to pursue this. And rather than falling into condemnation, we go to a place of perpetual exaltation and worship of our Lord Jesus Christ. He gave us a better way. He showed us a better way. He gave us a better system. My last little gadget here or example I want to show you is this. I kind of got a kick out of this this week, and some of you may have a hard time seeing it. Um, This is actually a TV from my living room. I hope it works. It's pretty old. Um, And here's the thing I find is that, like, now when kids actually see one of these things pulled out, they're like, what's attached to the back of the television, right? What is that thing hanging on? And, and, And we actually found this. This is an old Nintendo it was actually made in 1991. Who was even born before 1991? And yeah, there's some people. Some of y'all are, are babes. And, and I, I started thinking about this. And, and I started like, this is an old system. Would we not agree with that, right? 
I know some of you can't see it. Maybe the suit's hanging in the way here. And some of us can't see it. But here's the reality. This is an old system. This is a Nintendo. This is Super Mario Brothers. It's like some kind of Super Kart Mario Brothers game. And you can't even hardly see it. The details are bad. They're fuzzy. I mean, this is an old, broke-down system. And then over here, some of you guys need to hold your seats. We've got a PS3. And here's the deal, like, I don't even know how to use this controller. I was up here, because, like, that one over there, it's got, like, four buttons. You get on this one over here, man, and it's got stuff everywhere. I was having to try to figure it out earlier, and I figured out that X pretty much controls moving around on everything. So I just hit X, and then I can pick a play, man. This is football. This looks so real. This is a high-def TV. Man, this system is amazing. I think I can throw a pass. Let me see. Wait, hand off. Oh, hand off. Run. Look at there. Yes. Look how real it, look at that. That dude's alive. That is real. This is ESPN. I don't know what play I'm running here. But can we, can, can we, let me cut this off because y'all will not pay attention at all. Y'all are going to be all up in Super Mario. You're going to be like, passing, passing. And, but here's the reality. Can we agree that this is a better system than this? Can we agree that everybody in here pretty much, unless you just want to be a knucklehead, would say that you'd rather have this system. If nothing else, man, you'd like to have the high-definition television, right? You would take the PS3, throw it in the garbage just to get the high-definition television. And some of you men, you need to quit playing the PS like you're 45. It's time to put the play games up, <laughs> right? But the reality of it is, this is a better system. Who would choose this system over this system? Nobody. Nobody then why do we keep choosing an old system and a way of living over the new system and way of living that Jesus has given us? Why do we consistently go back to the law and to measuring ourselves against an old system, trying to measure up? Don't you see that's what they did in the Old Testament? They were constantly trying to measure up to God's standards and God knew that we couldn't measure up. And so God had to send his son to measure up for us so that we could put our faith in him and trust the fact that our sins have died in him and now we can live for him. And he gave us a better system, a better way of living that our sin is wiped out. We no longer have to live according to a voice of condemnation, but we can live our lives in a place of exaltation where our life becomes an object of worship given unto the Lord. Y'all should at least clap for that. Dag gummit. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of what God's done for us is he's taken us out of this old system that can never help us, that can never bring us to a place of righteousness. He's put a suit of clothes on us that we did not deserve and we can't even fit into at this point. And he said, you're righteous, not because of what you've done, but because of who I am and what I've done. And here's the reality of it. I'm going to put this suit on you and one day you're going to grow into it. And you're going to get there because you follow me because of the author and perfecter of faith that came to earth, that died a death for you, that you couldn't do. You, he paid a debt you can't pay. And here's the thing, the best thing that could happen for some of you in here today, and even for me, is that we finally rest in the fact that Jesus paid it all. That it is done, that it is finished. That we literally take these voices of condemnation and we take them. Y'all don't know how hard that is to do to my journal, but we take them. And they're finally done. They're done. They have no control over our lives. 
And we live in a place of exaltation of Jesus that we pursue him with everything that we have. We trust him with all that we've got. And we realize that that way of life is really the only true life. Anything else is just existing. And we're pursuing Jesus and he's the one that we're focused on. We find true life and we'll let all this other stuff die. And we can find life in Christ. And we finally say, I'm walking away from this so that I can have this. Now listen, that's not a one-time thing. We make that decision every day of our lives. We begin to find true life when Jesus becomes the number one passion that we live for. And I can promise you this, the more you pursue him, the more you will love him. Because he is worthy of our love. And you begin to see the riches of Christ. And there's nothing you'll desire more. Things will try to creep into your heart, but I'm telling you, once you have tasted that the Lord is good, you're going to crave that pure spiritual milk of God. And today the opportunity we have is to simply trust in Christ as our, the one who fulfilled the measuring stick, trust in this system of forgiveness, and trust that the Spirit in us, for those who are in Christ, will grow us up. And then we pour everything we can into our hearts and into our lives, the word, prayer, and it fans into flame. This passion of God. And we pursue Him with all that we have. Here's the thing I realized, guys, that we're in South Georgia and everybody in the South is a Christian, right? Everybody. The reality of it is most of us have only had enough religion to give us a comfort level that we're okay. But we've never truly trusted in Jesus to be the one who forgives us of our sins, to be the one who gives us this clothes, these clothes of righteousness, this suit of righteousness. And there's only two options. If we're hearing a voice of condemnation, there's two options. One, you're not in Christ. You don't know him. Or two, you're just listening to the wrong voices. What I want to ask you this morning, if you're here today and you know, listen, obviously you're here today, but you know, you don't know Jesus. You're living in this perpetual state of condemnation and you know I've never trusted him as my savior and I, deserve condemnation because my sin is still on me. I haven't been clothed with the suit of righteousness. I haven't been given the perfection of Christ. And today I want to ask you, if you're here today, and that would be where you are, I want to give you the opportunity to take hold of Jesus, to trust him as your Lord, to trust him as your Savior, to trust him as the one who clothes you in righteousness. And right now I'm going to ask you to be very bold. This is how we do it. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. You don't, just don't even think, you know, God's called me today. My heart's beating. I know that I'm supposed to come to Christ today. He has put this in my heart. I want to know him. I want you to stand right where you are. Listen, we're going to applaud. We're going to clap. And then we're going to pray with you. And we are going to help you take your next steps. But I know somebody's here today who needs to take that step. Where are you?
All right? Here's the deal. There are others of you. Your life has been a perpetual state of walking in condemnation. It's been a perpetual state of just living one day after the next where you feel like I can't be separated from my past. And you can't walk in the freedom of Christ even though you want to take hold of him by faith. You're living as a Christian. You know him. You've met him. Yet these voices are constantly in your head. The day you need to surrender those to him. I'm going to pray. And as we pray, I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat and you come down here and you leave it here today. And you let it go. And you don't pick it back up. And tomorrow when those voices come, you tell Satan to shut up. I was riding down Lakeview the other day and all these voices started coming. I'm not like crazy, I promise. But I started hearing this in my mind, like, you don't measure up. You're a terrible pastor. I'm not going to tell you exactly what I called Satan. But what I said is shut up. I know that voice does not come from God. The day you have that same opportunity to lay it right here and tomorrow the same opportunity and the next day the same opportunity. But some of you need to do business with God. And here's the reality. Some of you today know that the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart. And as we sing this next song, I'm going to be right here and I want you to come find me. But I would say this. Today is a day, one of salvation. But today is also the day that some of us need to put the mask away and get on our face before the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you, God, that we can come and be real with you. We can come to a God that does not condemn us, but who gives us freedom and gives us life. And at the end of the day, that is all that matters. I pray that every voice of condemnation would be silenced and that you would do a work in this place. I pray, God, for those right now who feel like their butt is sewn to the seat and knows that they should be moving, coming to the front, God, that the power of your spirit would begin to nudge them to a place where they have to come and be real with you. And as we sing this song, there would be a great powerful work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts that takes away condemnation and replaces it with exaltation and that they would be relieved of the pressure that they've been living in and that God you would do an awesome work in them and that tomorrow when the voices begin to be louder and the voices begin to be heard that they would know that there's no condemnation for them because they are in Christ and that they would begin to worship you and they would begin to grow and they would begin to live out of the power of your Holy Spirit God do an awesome work in